Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. You see, I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the paths and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. Every story can help heal, inspire, educate, and my one word is to give hope. Today, my guest is Sarah Ellery, and well, we're in for a treat as always. Let me give you a little bit about her background. Not only is she the founder of My Hope Bag, which we will talk about here in a little bit, but she was diagnosed with DCIS cancer in December of 2009, followed by a lumpectomy and 10 rounds of radiation. Sarah felt a calling to help other women going through their breast cancer journey by providing a bag of hope filled with comfort items and resources to help answer their plethora of questions. And here um, this coming week, I actually will have Sarah on a panel to share some of those answers needed for the plethora of questions. Please help me welcome my guest this morning, Sarah Ellery. Good morning. Good morning, Christine. How are you doing? I am good. I, it's, it's nice to get to meet you. We've talked a few times, emailed back and forth, and I love putting a face with um, the content and the conversation. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Yes. Now, for people who are not aware, like myself, I can read one thing, but that doesn't mean I know what it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more. And uh, what is DCIS? What is that abbreviation for? It stands for ductal carcinoma in situ. And what that simply means is we have a lot of little milk ducts in our breasts. And this was a cancer that was confined to a milk duct. There's also one that is invasive. And that would be when the cancer goes through the milk duct and starts going into the system. But mine had not. Okay, so how was this detected? Through a mammogram. They actually were watching it for a few years. That's how small it was. And then I went in for my annual visit and they did a mammogram and the doctor said, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but it is cancer. So I didn't feel anything. There was no lump. So I would like to stress how important it is for everyone to stay with their annual mammograms because it isn't always detected by feeling it. You know, I got scolded a few years ago and I say that, yes, I was scolded yeah. as a grown adult woman. Um, I wasn't raised with all the knowledge you think you would tell your daughter what she needs to do right. about uh, taking care of her body or making sure she gets these exams. And one of them was a breast exam. And um, on that is that a lot of women will say, well, there's no breast cancer in my family. And about 60% of breast cancer is found without there being a history. So, so I have learned. So I am always getting those exams. And Great. what I'm finding out too, though, with what we have been learning about a lot of science and just biology and genetics, um, like you said, cancer isn't necessarily someone that has the gene. I believe we all have the gene. It's a matter of what activates. Am I, am I correct or incorrect? That is true. And I have no idea what would activate it. But certainly if there is cancer in your family, you definitely want to make sure you get your mammograms. But we promote that. And we even will help women with their mammogram if they can't afford it. So we just really feel that early detection can save your life. And I had mentioned you had followed with a lumpectomy. 
Um, I had mentioned in the beginning that this um, detection was followed by a lumpectomy and radiation. Um, For those of uh, you who don't know what radiation versus chemo, are they two different things? They definitely are. Chemo is where a medicine, if you will, is put into the system to kill the cancer cells. Radiation does it from the surface going in. So uh, many women have chemo and radiation because of the type of cancer that they have. But since mine was detected so early and they were able to clear it out with the surgery, I only had a limited amount of radiation. So going through your radiation and going through this uh, change within your life, I mean, we go through life and we figure everything's okay until something stops us, right? Whatever it may be. Um, This is where you had this idea to start um, these hope bags. Please tell me more what these hope bags are. Well, um, when I was going through my treatment, I just thought I had no one to turn to. I had no one to ask questions of. I had one one lady that I talked to and she scared me. So I thought that's not good either. And I just thought what we really need to have is a bag of hope for women. So my thought was to put some comfort items in it, such as a back scratcher, um, a bracelet, because I really like bling, and other little feature items that would help comfort a woman going through what she was going through, as well as adding resources and friendship. So we started my hope bag to do just that. We had bags that we would put the goodies in and go visit. And the first thing I would ask a woman is, tell me what you're going through. Because I felt like she had an opportunity now to talk to someone who's been through it, who knows the language, who understands the emotions and the fear that you develop from just hearing those words. And it really helped. And then once we've talked about a few things, then we deliver the bag to her and go through all the items in the bag and begin a new friendship. There's nothing more powerful than two things that I have established in life. And one of them you mentioned, actually, you said both of them in in a different way than I would. And one is um, a connection of Mm -hmm. knowing that you're not alone, that you are going through this or you've been through it that you do and you can really say and own the fact that you say I understand it's different when someone says it and hasn't been through it it's like a comfort and when we deliver a bag we deliver it in pairs we have what we call hope sisters and one of those hope sisters needs to be a survivor because when when we're visiting someone going through this the person that we're visiting wants to understand that one of the people they're talking to has been there. So we make sure that that's covered. And we've had nurses, we've had uh, co-survivors, all kinds of, of different women who will go in and deliver the bag with the survivor. How do you know where to go? Women will look us up. Usually they'll look us up online, www.myhopebag.org. And we have a tab that says request a bag, but also we have rack cards that we have in doctor's offices. We have a newsletter that goes out once a month and we have a lot of word of mouth advertising. 
Good for you. And so I know that this isn't a club. Like I have my own club that um, is a floss and I call them a club or a group, but it's not like a negative. Someone could see it that way. Um, But it's a group that not many would want to be in. Are there several ladies in the sisters? We're going to call it sisters group that uh, assist you. Yes, we have um, about 20 women who are all over the valley from east to west, who when we get a request from from someone in that area, we ask that person to go and deliver the bag and hope to the the newly diagnosed. And we are a kind of a sisterhood because no matter when we get together, we all talk about what we've been through. And I truly believe that when a group of um, cancer warriors get together, they spread hope to the other ones who haven't been through anything yet. So it's, it is a true sisterhood. So I'm going to ask this question and I'm not even sure if it's a right question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, being diagnosed for the first time when you went through that and then sharing with me, the sisters that are in this, um, joining of these bags for other ladies, what does it feel like when you first find out that you have cancer, that you like, I'm just going for a normal exam and now this hits you. For me, um, I was fortunate enough to have my husband and one of my daughters with me. And they were both kind of sitting on either side of me. And I just had this feeling because the doctor didn't say right off that it's nothing. So I kind of was preparing myself. But when he said it is cancer, after I composed myself, I'm holding on to both of them. And my first thought was, what about my children? They're adults, but they can't be without me. My husband of 30 years couldn't be without me. And that was kind of my first thought. Then of course you think of the finances and all that, but I think almost every woman that I've talked to, their first thought has been of their family. And a lot of them are mothers of small children. So that's a very difficult time too. It's just, again, a plethora of emotions go through you of, what am I gonna do? What about my job? How am I gonna live? And, but the biggest thing is usually your family. I can understand I can yeah. understand that and relate to that with my own story that I have as far as all of a sudden it's not about us, but it is about us right. <laughs> in a strange way. We don't make it about us, even though it's all about us. Right. So through that journey, um, there are two things that I have seen through my interviews with other individuals who have gone through cancer, mm-hmm. that as a woman, we identify ourselves as a woman and and if someone disagrees with me that's that's fine too but two parts of our bodies that we identify that we we lose and that would be our hair and our breasts for some ladies and not all women lose both or one or the other did you um, experience these losses with um, your hair um, or what you went through in your journey I did not because I you often lose your hair from chemo and I didn't have that. And as far as the breasts, when you have a lumpectomy, unless it's a very deep one, there's usually not any reconstruction. So huh. I count myself fortunate, but of course I have, I have listened to many women go through their pains and their suffering, mostly from losing their breasts, but many of them are just torn apart about their hair. And 
is if they have small children, it's a real adjustment for the family. The, the little ones have a really hard time dealing with that. But a woman, if she's in a situation where she has a lot of support, will often feel very free to be able to not have reconstruction. And a lot of them will wear wigs for a short time, but find it also very freeing not to wear wigs. So I think it's just a different attitude that you take on once you've gotten over the, the grief of having to deal with the loss. I believe that, that they're able to come to a realization that they are still beautiful. Plus we have a, such a network of women that can calm them and help them through it because they've been through it themselves. It's just, it's amazing, Christine, the, the amount of love and compassion women have for each other. It's in, yeah, I'll have to agree. I have, I've witnessed that on the outside. I've not personally walked that journey. Um, and I can't say that I wouldn't because I don't know, you know, every day that comes what I will be given or not given. So I never, I count my blessings as, as you probably do as well. And you mentioned something, family, this isn't just a stress on you where you're in, I wouldn't say in denial, you're like, this is about me, but what about everybody else? Mm-hmm. So turn it around and explain to me or make me understand more how that affects the family. I mean, I've seen, and this is rare, a couple of times where the family actually broke apart because everyone, I'm going to call this a grievance. Mm-hmm. It's a grievance because it's something that has completely changed your life on something you were used to having had and no longer have, whatever that journey is. Can you help me understand more about the family um, dynamics or the unity? I believe that I was, I was very fortunate. I mean, I had my family around and you still have times of aloneness. But when I look at families that have, um, they may have a young, they may be a younger family. So here's the the husband who is dealing with this the very best way he can. But sometimes it just gets to be too much. And it's hard for someone to watch someone go through pain or hopelessness. And a lot of women do feel that hopelessness. It's hard for the children. Um, I have heard of mostly in the teenage years where some children will just rebel because things are not the way they're supposed to be. I always highly recommend some kind of family counseling to help the children adjust and the husband adjust. In most cases, the whole cancer journey is around a year long. There are cases when it will metastasize and may take a little longer, but, usually the family will learn to live with the situation. So um, I was fortunate I didn't have to deal with that. But like I said, with meeting as many women as I have, I, I have comforted many women who have had challenges in their family situation. So it isn't easy because everybody in the family wants mom to be the way she she's supposed to be and the way they remember her. So it is. it can be very stressful. Moms, I, I, I'm going to say as a mom as well, I think we're put on a pedestal and have a lot of expectations along with all these different hats we didn't know we needed to wear until something comes to a screeching halt and says, um, mom can't do that right now. And we're not sure for how long. Right. And then we deal with that. 
as a grievance as well, because we're those caregivers, we're those nurturers, we're that, we're that support for the family in many of different ways. Um, how would you, you said you go in and speak with these ladies as a sister's group, giving these bags. How would you um, talk to someone? For instance, let's say I was uh, one of the newest um, cancer diagnosis is, and I, I'm beside myself, not understanding what it is, Lord, help that it doesn't happen to me, but let's say that it's me. How would you come to me and talk to me? Well, I would first ask you to tell me what you're going through. If there's any confusion about what you're going through, then we need to work a little bit more on checking what your diagnosis is, what your doctors told you, what friends have told you. And once you are able to share with me what you're going through, I can say, you know, I remember having that same feeling or I remember having having to take that medicine. And the wonderful thing about our network is if you tell me that you have a cancer that I haven't, of course, had or dealt with, we have en enough women in our network that I can say, you know, Christine, I didn't deal with that. But I do have someone that I can ask to give you a call or come over and talk to you. And they're more than willing to come and help. So our big thing is that we don't want you to be alone. We don't want you to feel alone. And I would also give you my phone number and say anytime, day or night, honestly, I know there's hours during the night, you might not be able to sleep, but you can call me. So then she knows she's not alone. And I would I would definitely want you to know that, that you are not alone. And if there's someone who lives down the street from you that's in our network, then that's great. Or we'll find someone. Wonderful. That's very comforting to know, um, especially when it's a scary situation that we don't know what the outcome will be. Um, and, and I look at it this way. Um, doctors are human beings, just mm -hmm. as the rest of us who don't have the MD or the other initials behind our, for, for schooling purposes. Um, and there are miracles of life, right? So a doctor can't always predict what they say. You can actually beat the odds, um, depending, I think I'm going to ask this, depending on your attitude, which makes a difference too, does it not? Huge, huge. In fact, I often will recommend that um, a woman will go to a support group, but I say, please take someone with you because if you get into this support group and you find that it's all negative and people are talking about dying and all that, you need to get up and walk out. And if you have a friend with you, you're more likely to leave than if you're alone. But being in a support group is very important because there are usually women who are at different stages. So you can usually fit into one of their, um, what they're going through and kind of think, oh, okay. So she went through this and that means, you know, in another couple of weeks, I should start be feeling better and I, I think they're great. You just need to have as many positive people around as you can. I agree. I think that's in life as a whole. Yes. <laughs> <But> most, <laughs> most definitely, though, um, yeah. in a situation where your body's already been compromised and it's weak and it needs to have that um, turnaround of energy. Energy is a huge huge part of healing, I believe. I could be wrong yes. by someone else's walk of life, but I feel with my own and the ones that I've observed, the energy that you put within your body is is uh, going to determine how you recover or don't recover. Well, and I, if I could comment on that as well, 
a lot of women don't feel like eating when they're going through chemo. We do provide a little booklet for them to help them know what kind of food to eat. But we also want to make sure that when we're visiting this woman, that she knows if she's not feeling like eating or not feeling good to give us a call because we can research and find things that will help her eat and encourage her to keep her strength up. So if there's anything that I can say, it would be to, again, don't feel you're alone because we're, we're all there. And if I don't have an answer, I can find someone who does that can help you. I, I love that you have said that a couple of different times, but I did want to mention because you had said something about not eating. Is that a personal thing or does that have to do with medications? I'm not quite sure why someone would decide not to eat. Yeah, well, they don't decide not to eat. They okay. just don't feel like eating. Okay. And a lot of times their food will taste. I've heard of a metallic taste oh. or they just they don't have the energy to fix something. That's why a lot of times we'll set up taking meals to their home or during COVID, we, we give them a gift card so they can order food. Um, what It doesn't always mean that what sounds good to them, they'll eat because often nothing sounds good. Mm. So we just do what we can to encourage them to eat, to keep their strength up. Definitely fuel for the body, whether right. it's mind, body, or soul. And your food is definitely one of those and the company that you're in. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Company is everything. Uh, again, where can your organization be found? So we are at www.myhopebag.org. And all of our information is on there. You can also sign up for our newsletter. And there is a contact form on our website where you can click that you'd like to sign up for our newsletter. There's also a form if you'd like to sign up to volunteer. We have all kinds of areas to volunteer in. And one of them is to be a Hope Sister. Again, you don't have to have had cancer to be a Hope Sister. If you just have a, a passion for helping and a desire to, to share. I like that. Um, connections and community is something that um, I think was broke with us in the 2020 year, and we're slowly trying to reestablish it with the new ways of keeping in touch with one another. And that personal touch is one thing that we're still, as you know, slowly getting back into because that was taken away from everybody for a long period of time and kind of still is for some people who choose to keep themselves protected for their own reasons mm -hmm. from the communities. But um, connections is everything. It really is. Thank you again for being my guest today. It was a pleasure to learn more about you and your organization. Thank you, Christine. Yes, and I look forward to you being on my panel coming up here in the next week or so, along with some other uh, individuals that you and I know that are going through the journey of cancer. And I believe that it's, uh, you're stronger together. Yes, we mm -hmm. sure are. Perfect. Thank you very much, Christine, for having us on and having me on today. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you for sharing your story. To my listeners, thank you yet again for listening in to another amazing story of someone making a difference in her community. This one is because of her personal interest, passion, and her journey. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story, or you know of an organization in your community making a difference, or you want to be a sponsor, email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well, and you take care.